0: I can see me, I can see me on the outside. I can see me one day growing, but I never thought that. No, I never thought that it would be me on the other side. Mm. Eternal journey with the Father, learning just how how big his love can be. I never thought that. I just never thought that his great love could really be for me now i see it now i know it don't you be sad for me i'm with the father yes the father still growing still learning just how great his love can be
1: welcome to men of sorrows podcast i am william lloyd a man of sorrow our podcast is committed to supporting and encouraging men to process their grief in order to heal and return to joyful living in the midst of great sadness. The reason for men of sorrows finding joy is the reason it's geared toward men, is the fact that in most grief support groups I attended after the death of my son, men were noticeably absent. One of the oft-heard reports of the wives' mothers' sisters about the men in the family was that they are busy, they keep busy, and they are angry. Big boys don't cry was a phrase I grew up with. But here men are invited to cry, mourn, and express their emotions by following the example of the best, bravest, and strongest man that ever lived, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5.7 says during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries to the one who could save him from death. Isaiah 51 declares Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He is our constant companion here on this show, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, our very present help in time of need. Today I sit down with Rob Nelson from Grace Point Ministry. Ministries. Rob specializes in training leaders in trauma recovery. Um, Rob lost his son Ryan in September of 2019 Rob and I discuss how our faith and hope enables us to live a life of faith hope and love in the midst of our our sadness and our trauma and our loss it was a great time talking with Rob and all of his information is in the show notes if you want to get in touch with him and and hear more from Rob here's our discussion. I'm here with um, Rob Nelson. Rob and I got to know each other through Virtual World, through Facebook, a grace community that a man by the years ago, Dave Lesniak, wanted to put together people that were New Covenant or grace teachers, ministries that were like-minded. So there there was a lot of people out there. And then I saw that... When, when Rob has lost his son, I reached out because I had a similar experience and it was, new for, it was new for me. I think we're a couple months apart on the loss of our son. So I've gotten to know Rob through that experience. We've talked on the phone, we've emailed back and forth and he's agreed to come on today. And I really appreciate that. And it's good to talk to you, Rob. And why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself as much as you want to share
0: or as, as little as you want to share. Thank you. It's um uh, it is amazing just to see how God uh connects our paths and brings our life stories together and um uh, you and I are definitely one of those realities just connecting through um and we've never met in person. So this is uh, uh right that that's definitely coming but but again the amazing thing and my wife and talk and I've talked about this and we you know, we make references to Bill off and on, like we've known you forever and you're just part of the family. And uh, that that can only happen in God's grace. It's just some amazing things. Uh, I appreciate the relationship and the opportunity to be here today. Yeah, we, uh, we have been a part of uh, that, organ, that network, uh, national network, um, since 2009, I guess it was, when we came to South Carolina and started Grace Point Ministries that uh, we uh, have a a mission to really support ministry leaders in the trenches. So we're kind of unique even in that network, which is often counseling ministries or teaching ministries. Uh, Some of the same foundational truths of just uh, coming to know our identity and our true identity in Christ and what it means to live from that and but on a day to day basis, we basically provide trauma informed soul care for ministry leaders. So uh, I work with, uh, also partner with the South Carolina Christian Foundation here in the state and um, through a ministry to ministries initiative. And so uh, God's just given us over 150 relationships with primarily faith based nonprofits. And I love working with that population. I mean, they're some of the most sold out people are working in the trenches and obviously not doing it for money or for... So that's, that's been an incredible gift uh, um, to be able to experience the message of grace and then to be able to go out into that kind of population and, and share that and support that really. And with the vision to think that if we can impact one leader... To truly know their identity in Christ and live from that. Think of the numbers of people that we can impact just through that one leader. So that's that's an exciting time for this and for me in this season of my life. It is a a latter season of ministry. Uh, My wife and I ran a uh, home for children uh, called Winshape Homes with Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. We did that for 19 years in Georgia. Uh, We had 12 or 13 children in our home 24-7. We brought in children that were never expected to go back home, so it was like adopting without legally adopting. We now have uh, uh, raised 20 long-term, have 16 that we're really close to now, 35 grandchildren through them. It's just been an amazing journey. But it was in that setting that we experienced a tremendous burnout. We went through a lot of different traumas with the kids that we were working with and as well as our own traumas within our own family that were going on. And so about halfway through that season, my wife and I both were in the hospital within two weeks of each other with just medical conditions. I mean, we were just burned to the ground.
1: Yeah. Now, how how are the children placed? You said that it was was it um, supported by Chick-fil-A? And were the kids placed through foster care? Were they taken
0: from their parents? They- yes, placements came uh, could come through the state organizations, but a lot of ours were private placements. So mm-hmm. it was a family member or a single parent or some situation that we were able to make connection with and they placed them into our care with an understanding that that would be long term. So there were some cases where parental rights had been terminated. Some where, of course, there were death in the family, in prison, different things. And and then in some cases, the parents just had so many traumas of their own and difficulties, they just could not not raise children. And uh, so it was a great opportunity to step in, in in that way. So I grew up, my dad ran a children's home when I was growing up. I went to school to go into child care and psychology and social work. And my wife was a special ed teacher. So we didn't go into that naively. Uh and we we had some training. God, we knew he brought us there and we had a passion to do what we were doing. But but it it took its toll on us and and we learned so much through that process.
1: Yeah. The the burnout for the social workers that place the kids is high and they they don't have the the kind of intimacy and day-to-day contact that you were having. I went through the foster care system and thought about being a foster parent. And when they told us that you're not really going to get a little child that's going to go cuckoo in the crib. Mm. And I was teaching in the inner city, middle school, kids that were acting out. And I knew that I couldn't come home to that either. I, that I would burn out. Yeah. So I never did it. I never did the foster care, but I did get called for Liam. He would, cause he was in the intervention hospital in the nursery until he was nine months. His mother fell sick and died soon after. And the dad was, he was a bar brawler, you know, he was in and out of trouble with the law. So, i I, under, I understand the burnout that you're talking about because i didn't even take one yeah. <laughs> and you had 13 14 kids right.
0: and again we were we were under the care of uh, windshape homes a a foundation was established by mr kathy and a wonderful organization and and we had a lot of provisions to do the ministry i remember through the years just Uh, I had a true recognition of how blessed we were to have the opportunity and those resources, but there were some key uh, relational resources, people resources that we did not have on site and we did not have available to us or know how to connect to during those years. So we were taking on all of it Mm -hmm. and literally got to a place to where we were traumatized as crisis managers. Mm -hmm. We both, both of us went into uh, trauma resolution therapy through with a counselor uh, as crisis managers. And it was during that time that, you know, a lot of times people have to leave their settings when they get in that kind of condition, but God just pursued us with these resources. And we began to learn about technical trauma and how that was working in us. And those we were serving in ways we had never known before. But interestingly enough, that track was running parallel to him revealing to us truths about our identity in Christ that we had never, never had a clue of. Mm-hmm. And here we had been in ministry for years. We both were raised in the families of ministers and our passion was real. Our calling was real. We knew we were where we were supposed to be, but like how in, the, in heaven or hell did we find ourselves here? in this place but he pursued us consistently in that and began to bring resources to us and these two tracks of trauma and identity just running right side by side and through that brought resurrected us in that setting in uh, in a miraculous way and and that in itself is what birthed the vision for what we do now because we we felt confident that he had shown us that if we were in that place with the heart and desire that we had and following him they most likely were others out there who were very much like us Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and i will say we it felt like a very wrong place but now i say that was not a wrong place It, it was a place and it was a real place as it has continued to be but god right dead in the center of it doing a deep work of love and grace.
1: That right in the midst of the conflict, God was was opening your eyes and, and teaching you. When we talk about, and some of the listeners might not understand, when we say identity in Christ, that there's so much to that. But oh. basically we're looking at what Jesus Christ has done for us and, and God the Father has done in joining us to Christ, bringing us into his family, putting his spirit in us as a guarantee and and really this union that we have with god through it's this spiritual robust relationship that we have with him i always think of this term when the student is ready the teacher will appear mm. you were you were ready you know when usually the the experience of understanding the grace of god it's almost like when God allows us to try our best and do our best, yeah. and yeah. keep falling flat, that then He says, "Okay, now now I can teach you about entering into my rest."
0: You, you, I'm sure you'll hear as we continue to talk, this continually come out of my mouth. But this this shift from living for Him to living from Him is the yeah. is the is is one way I would language that because. Uh, again from a very sincere place my whole life had been built on trying to live for him and and doing that to some degree but and would even claim that it was his strength and his wisdom and his power but yet going through some of these realities you begin to see how much of it is is yourself right and you begin to realize just how dependent you are On him not only to be there with you, but to do it in and through you. And again, right the right timing when my our ministry is kind of centered around Acts 17, 27, 28, that we would seek and find that in him we live and move and have our very being. Yeah. But even in Reese, these last few years, he's reminded me: don't forget verse 26. Right before that, he says he has pre-appointed your times and set the boundaries of your dwellings so that you would seek and find. And you go back further in that chapter and he says you're serving a God you don't know. So that's such a powerful chapter yeah. in our lives and testimony of what these difficult, uh, difficult not even the right word, overwhelming challenges Uh, Maybe he is there. Maybe he is up to something and maybe he is good. And maybe this is part of it.
1: Yeah, I I agree 100 percent with everything you said. It's such a process. Sometimes I come to like a new place and I look back and I say, man, I'm just scratching the surface here. We're just really scratching the surface. I told Carrie the other day. I said, if a day, and I do a lot of this, especially since Liam's gone and my dad's gone to the other side. So if a thousand years are like a day and a day is like a thousand years, in some ways we're not even one year old to God. Yeah. <laughs> Mere Absolutely. infants in Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It does so
0: move you into that eternal perspective like, you know, we've never known.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what I heard you say that, That
1: experience of burning out and getting counseling for trauma and at the same time, God teaching you and revealing to you your identity and and the grace and his provision. From there, that kind of opened up to the kind of ministry you do now. And is it working with leaders that have experienced trauma or teaching them how to minister to those who have gone through trauma or a little of both?
0: Yes and yes, Uh, because ultimately it is, uh, I mean, so often in the church, we have minimized this reality of what I'll call spiritual warfare. But when I, I believe spiritual is holistic and because God created all of it. And again, that in him we live and move and have our very being is beginning to experience him as life. And so that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And mm-hmm. so, really, a lot of what our ministry focus is would be kind of centered around this idea of integration, uh, which is again part of what we were experiencing—that our faith was real, but these real-life realities were very real too. And and I think we all would would. Confess that the the difficulty is reconciling those two together. How do we? And for me, my faith, I I realized, was actually a form of denial of those realities. Mm -hmm. If I could think on and I could just stay over here, then maybe this wouldn't happen. Or if it did happen, maybe I could avoid it. I mean, we're actually playing into. Uh, the running and the hiding, the fight and flight, and all those kind of things with our faith.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
0: through this experience, we began to see for the first time, he really did give us this for application into these realities, not mm-hmm. either or, but mm-hmm. it's for that. It yeah. is to walk through that. And, and, and I believe that's the only place you truly experience this this shift from doing it for him to doing it from him.
1: Mm-hmm. Actually
0: he is doing it mm-hmm. we get to be a part of and experience, the fullness of what all that means. And I totally agree with what you say. We've only scratched the surface of that. Mm-hmm. And these current realities we're talking about today have been a huge part of that continuing journey of discovery, if you will, as to what those, what that even means. So um, yeah, I, I'm real uh, try to be real sensitive to how I language things because I say I use a lot of words I've used my whole life but they mean something totally different now yes um, yeah so so it is difficult and I'm glad you you brought that up so yeah. yes, those realities I take now into a lot of crisis intervention type situations uh, I take the trauma piece and we begin to 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 you know they get all meshed together, all those realities to the point to they overwhelm us. So there's there's a power in in separating those pieces and less seeing them for what they are and giving credit where credit's due, um, in that. But the life giving part of that is, and and, and and when I speak of this coming to know our identity and those kind of things, these were God has been teaching us a new lifestyle. Mm -hmm. from these foundations of truth and Mm -hmm. created design and what i found with this trauma piece was i found i found this created design and all these other aspects of what's going on in our brain and what we're what we're truly experiencing and all i found was confirmation of the gospel and bringing me back to the simplicity of the gospel this is why he said think like this walk like this do this don't do that it was not in manipulating his robots it was leading and 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 nursing us and and drawing us into life as he purposed with fullness and um so again that value so there again I use second Peter 112 quite often when I'm sitting down with leaders i I don't nec- I'm not necessarily bringing you new information but second Peter 112 says I'll continually remind you of what you know and what is in you mm-hmm. we all need that yeah I yeah. needed that in these last few years we need somebody yeah. daily encouraging and exhorting us just to walk in what we do know let alone what we don't know
1: right. We need to be constantly reminded because going back to that self-sufficiency and walking in your own strength or, or walking in, in the flesh and doing it yourself, that comes so natural that the Holy Spirit has always, for me, always reminded me you're, it's within you, my source. I'm here. Yes. You know, I'm right here with you. So looking at the timeline, you were doing that type of work, when, when your son Ryan passed. And I can only share that my experience got my pastoral counseling training from Moody Bible Institute and been working with Alpha Ministries, identity, new covenant, grace of God. And I was in a a pastoral role and I would officiate funerals and walk with parents through the grief and witness to future glory. But when it happened to me, I was not prepared for any of it. I was turned upside down and my faith was shaken. The last time we talked, it seemed you t- told me, and you, I want you to tell the listeners that experience of you getting the phone call in the parking lot. And right away you were like, okay, Lord, I know I can't do this without you. Something to that effect you had told me. So if you don't mind, i really like you to share that because it, it's quite a testimony. to yeah where you got to where you are now
0: right and some of the things i've just been sharing with you are not a sideline they're very much a part of what happened in that moment even since we've talked it's become more real to me as to what was taking place that day when i heard a police officer on the other end of that call say your son was in an accident and he did not survive the injuries Mm -hmm. Um, these things that that God be, again, just the grace of God that doesn't wait till we need it. He's already he's already completed it and he's already working in and through it way before praise God before we even know we need it. So that was definitely true in this. As an experience like this, I just mentioned these foundations. I'm talking about how to breathe, Mm-hmm. in the midst of circumstances and situations, these life realities. So as, as you make the, we, you know, we went through multiple traumas prior to that. Mm-hmm. And then as I mentioned in 2010, my 15 year old was on life support. Traumatic brain injury was not supposed to live through the night. So even at that time, I started processing the loss of a child. Now, was but, that the car accident with Rhett? Was that? Yes, yes, okay. yes. That was in 2010. So, and and I may have told you this. I remember the day he he miraculously God just raised him up and he walked out in 13 days and and but the day before he left the hospital, I, I had an encounter with a friend of mine in the waiting room of the hospital whose son had committed suicide that week. and we met here in this lobby and we're celebrating and rejoicing this resurrection and then here he is and I had been told what happened so I was almost embarrassed Mm -hmm. but yet in that encounter he's smiling and he's in celebrating with me and I walked away and I and he's obviously a A strong believer. He's gone to be with the Lord since then. But I walked away from that day and I said, Lord, you know, I've done pretty well with this outcome, but I just have to wonder how would I have done if the outcome had been something else? So little did I know nine years later, I would experience that other outcome. And believe me, God did connect those pieces and continues to as I continue to process the loss of Ryan. Yeah, did those words come back when you
1: thought that when when Ryan passed? Did those that moment come back to your
0: to haunt you, so to speak? It was actually a uh, an encouragement
1: mm-hmm.
0: because I just had this sense. Of course, God knew what was coming at that time in two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. I believe that my wife and I, after Ryan passed. We started a list called God's Whispers, and they were just these undeniable communications or experiences or things we saw or heard that's just like, there's no way this is happening unless this is God, Mm -hmm. and they were just these little simple but profound affirmations and confirmations of his presence and his faithfulness and just these it's just this wooing and calling. Just trust me. Just trust me. I'm r- I'm right here. I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't lost control of the of you, your family, your son, or any of this. Mm-hmm. And every promise is still sure. Everything that you have chosen to believe about me that is good and faithful has not changed. That's exactly what I the Holy Spirit brought to my mind, even beyond my conscious comprehension as I think back, I wasn't consciously thinking this out, but I believe the day in the parking lot when I got that message and my, again, this sensitivity I have because of the trauma training, you know, my emotions, my my heartbeat, my breathe, everything's wanting to go in a million directions. But there was this it just had to be my spirit in him said, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. We've gone that way before. We're not doing that this time. Mm-hmm. And what that, and that didn't mean that I was shutting off and denying all that I was feeling and what was going through my head then. But it says we're going to reestablish here in this foundation. And then we'll see what we'll, we're going to do this. John Lynch talks about, Uh, we're going to do this together Mm -hmm. and i'm not alone here at that moment standing in that parking lot i felt like the only person on the earth but to come back into that so again all these prior experiences was you know you come into revelation knowledge of truth and grace and who god is but he still has to massage that into our hearts Mm-hmm. and and so i've been through those cycles if you will again as paul said not to have attained anything but being aware and sensitive to the degree that i i knew i could not walk through this apart from those so so what that looked like in that moment in that parking lot was okay god i don't I don't like this at all. This is a death blow. This is, I'm mad as hell. You know, words couldn't speak it. Right. But I'm going to trust you to just tell me where do I put the next foot. I know you're not going to give me the whole journey. Just show me where to put the next foot and then I'm going to trust you from there on. And of course, my immediate thought was, how am I going to tell his mother? Mm -hmm. So it helped me in the midst of all that just come into the now, into the moment, into the presence. And I believe that's the lifestyle he had had begun to teach me. And still I have to, you know, some days that looks pretty good. Some days it looks like, did you not get anything? But. But that's the lifestyle that I have been called into, uh, because the traumas continued. They didn't stop when he started revealing what these things were. Mm-hmm. It really, was planting those and birthing those in us, so that as we experience those, we're learning to live in the Spirit. Therefore, walk in the Spirit. I believe this is that transition into what the what the difference in that is, and. I'm afraid you have to go through situations to even get the chance to experience that. I don't like that. And I'm going to tell him that. Couldn't you do that a different way, but I get it. I see how powerful and profound and how we come in to know him like we've never known him before.
1: Mm-hmm. So that was, was that in June of 2019? You got the call from the detective? September, September, September of 2019. 20th.
0: Yeah, September 20th, 2019. And the and, the, and it was it was a detective he
1: called you to tell you that that your son had passed and it, when I hear when I hear you talking I I think of when it, it tells us that God has given us everything. <laughs> you know, you were you were equipped for that blow and you knew that you only needed to know where to put the next foot because yeah. And,
0: and I'm, I might not, I might even say I wasn't equipped, but the Holy Spirit was. Yeah. Cause I don't know how, I mean, I, again, I, I'm looking back on that, but that right. day in that parking lot, it was as simple as taking a breath, acknowledging his presence, immediately turning into his face and saying, daddy, help me. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with this one. This is way okay. bigger. I thought I'd been through trauma before, but I never faced anything like this. I don't want to face it. Yeah. I don't I don't want to even accept it. I mean, all mm-hmm. these pieces of the grieving cycles that we go in and out of, you know, they immediately started churning. But it but it but it was, I'm thankful to break that down into again, I have no power over all this. What what do you want me to do? Just let me know what you as my father says to do. And because you're going to, to carry me every step of the way.
1: Mm-hmm. If one
0: thing shows us how powers
1: powerless, we really are. It's, it's death because there's, there's just, there, there's no reversing in it in this life, in this time. I mean, we can't do it. God will raise the dead. God will raise us up. But that, that, experience for me, I was, my usually, my usual emotion in trauma or stress or was always anger. I'm going to get angry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in my anger, I'm going to use that anger to figure out how to fix this, change it, whatever. But I had anxiety like I've never had before for the first time. And part of it was, I'm not going to make it through this. I can't get through this. The, The pain was so the pain and the shock and my first my first reaction when the detective called me was not nah, you you're wrong it's somebody else you know this this that's mm. not you it's definitely you're making a mistake here you know go back and check was kind of what i was thinking in my yeah. mind and at the same time i was saying no he we we were just texting each other this morning plans to go bowling you know it was just Right. The shock. And I remember the spirit revealing to me, you don't have to do this the rest of your life. You just have to get through today. Yes. And sometimes it was just part of the day. Oh, you yes. just have to do this and that. So I can I can relate to that.
0: Let me make something really clear that God's really reminded me of even the last couple of days as I thought about us uh, talking today. I do not want my proclamation of faith in any way to minimize the realities of what this experience. Right. Uh, it is so easy to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people hearing me say, just trust God and just pray and everything will be okay. He'll carry it for you. You'll be fine. Yeah. Cause that's not been my experience. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, continue daily, breath by breath. And I'm sure you would agree and, and other listeners would. I've never had anything in my life that had absolute constant triggers daily. Mm-hmm. We're, we're over two and a half years out now and still every day, almost, almost moment by moment. There's something, mm-hmm. there's a picture, there's a sound, there's a thought that constantly wants to dominate your thought, your thoughts and your, your emotions. And you mentioned that anxiety. I've I've got things going on in my body right now. It's, it really is technical. PTSD is what it is. Mm -hmm. If you want to get technical about it, but, but, but that's the unique thing I think about our, our mentoring and coaching and, and support services that we provide is recognizing and acknowledging what's going on in your body and your nervous system and your thought life and how that's working. And again, that's why I go back to these foundations of identity and who we are in Christ and who He is and living from Him because that positions me in such a way to be real and authentic with everything I'm experiencing. Not run from it and deny it. Right. Be full blown alive in the midst of it. And then appropriate all that we have in him into that reality, moment by moment. Mm -hmm. When I feel like my breathing is messed up, which is often, I don't breathe right, uh, among other things. But I, I hear that voice and it says, Take a breath, you know. I have to. I have to consciously think those things through. I hadn't always had to do that, but that's what it does. So that's yes. what we're experiencing in that. Yeah, I was reading. I was reading through a book.
1: Ethan Cross. It was called Chatter. He does neuro neuro brain research. Right. And they said one of the things, and I really never heard it put it the way he did. He said that your body your brain in the same locations and processes emotional pain and physical pain the same way. Yeah, yeah. You know it's, and when a, when all when kinds you of, I'm sorry. When you mentioned the breathing part, yeah, there were times when it hurt to breathe
0: for yeah. me. It was yeah. so, it was hard to breathe. Right. And that doesn't, as soon as I turn my, my fix my eyes on Jesus, that doesn't all go away uh, because your, your brain is, is programmed and recorded. Even the images of that you've weren't, didn't even physically see, but in your mind, you formulated certain images of things going on that time. They're recorded just like in this computer. Mm-hmm. and So that's again, in a lot of, of uh, our, Christ-centered discipleship, we've not given, we've not allowed for those realities. And I believe when Hebrews 4 says the word divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow, I take that literally. Mm -hmm. It, It has the power to every part of our created design. It is in that word and it has been given to us. It is complete. I have been given everything for life and godliness in Christ. Ephesians 1, we've got everything in the spirit but that is, I believe, for the whole man. Mm -hmm. obviously that's not going to be completely perfected this side of heaven, but we can begin to walk in that as we abide and so on and so on.
1: Right. And as you, as you talked about that, you didn't want to minimize the pain. And you said, and, and looking back now, looking back, I, I'm, I always stand amazed at, at, God's grace and his power and his bringing that hope Paul tells us that he doesn't want us. He doesn't say don't mourn. He says, I don't want you to mourn without hope. Mm. So we're going to mourn, but it's, it's coupled with that hope. And that 10, even that tension that you talk about in living the day to day, like we, we have this new creation, this new covenant relationship with God, but it's in the midst of a sin cursed world and our sin cursed bodies so that tension is day to day, and even going through the grief, our faith is there. But the reality of the loss, the reality of the death, is there. And for a while, I prayed. My constant prayer was, "Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief."
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I had right.
1: there was a lot of self blame and guilt and other things with me fighting for my attention to take right. my eyes off Jesus
0: right i hope i'm not steering away from where we need to go today but one i heard a message one day and and it was saying what is the shortest verse in the bible mm-hmm. of course we all would say jesus wept yeah but it said actually when you go back to the original language there's one that's one character shorter and it's rejoice always and i heard that and i thought that's really cool so i couldn't wait that evening. i told my wife you know this is what i've learned and yeah then later in that evening just as clear as a bell i heard you know life is really tied up in the two shortest verses in the bible and that's grieving and rejoicing Mm -hmm. they both and when you come fully alive for the first time you fully exhale and inhale you learn how to grieve in a healthy way and that's what most of us have not we've been we've been taught to do that in the flesh Mm -hmm. and have the difference in flesh and spirit which is for another day but again for my own self-sufficiency trying to control and manipulate my own mind to get through something as opposed to turning into him and allowing him to bring joy in the midst of the sorrow, not either or, but just like those tracks of trauma and identity, they run right together, but they're both fully alive and true. And he's still in the center of it and he's still bringing life in the midst of both. But we, in much of our Christian counsel and direction, again, are very often steering people away from the most important piece of grieving and lamenting
1: mm-hmm.
0: and look back through the old testament and the new testament it's full of testimony of grieving and lamenting
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's from that healthy grieving and lamenting that we can authentically rejoice into something that's bigger than this and we can release ourselves into that and experience some healing and, and, and even see God do mighty things in it. For me, I, what I tell people is, is
1: what I heard from a man by the name of Alan Wolfelt. Um, he does a lot of work with hospice. Um, he's a, I guess you would call him a grief expert, but he says that grief is what you're feeling and mourning is, is grief gone public, expressing the pain, expressing the sorrow. And for me, the way I did that is I told my story over and over again. (laughs) I went, I sought out a a grief counselor, and I did go to to groups. You know, the listeners know, you know, my son, he he took his life after coming out of the Marine Corps and trying to adjust to civilian life. Um, So that complicated it for me. But all of those things combined helped me to to grieve. And I read and I became acquainted more and more with what was going on. And one of the things that started occurring after I started to get a little bit of relief and go back to work and re-engage a little bit was it seemed there was this period of the day where it felt like somebody punched me in the stomach Mm -hmm. and the anxiety started coming and it was hard to breathe. And as I talked about it, with um, John Glenn he said that's it seems to happen right around the time you got the call from the detective yes so you're bracing for the blow every single day you're bracing for that blow to come and it still it still gets me three years later sometimes around that time I'll notice it if I'm not actively thinking about it it'll catch me by surprise Um, you you mentioned triggers before Um, there's 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 all of that But that that PTSD was was part of it for me. And there's a new term. I I I don't know. We can go off to this rabbit hole just a quick minute. Um, Post traumatic stress growth is Hmm. is there uh, something that um, I think there's a book out on that. But um, in our in our recovery ministry, John being in the uh, post-traumatic stress disorder from his experience in Vietnam started going through that type of training, post-traumatic stress growth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, definitely, again, in Christ, there's incredible things that can, that he can bring out of that uh, and through that. Uh, again, our, our, I think, and you mentioned storing is so powerful. And when you've been, when you go through this, and sometimes people, they don't want to bring it up, but you want to talk about it. Yes. And you want, you want to keep that. You don't want people to forget. You don't want to, you don't want it, you don't want to stop it yourself because then you feel like you've closed that door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very much a part of our continued healing and, and rejoicing in those realities and and putting them in a new context of eternity that we say we believe. And I, I had a man uh, just a couple of days after Ryan died whose son had committed suicide a couple of years prior. And he told me that I'll never forget. That. He said, he said, our sons are continuing to grow and mature and what God created them to be on the other side, without the encumbrances of sin in this world. Rejoice. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. uh, There's rescue all over Ryan's story, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, there's loss all over this story. There's pain over this story. There's grieving the life as well as the death as -hmm. you begin to reflect on all those realities. But, but it is a, Uh, What I was going to mention, this came to me even yesterday, is the challenge in that is, as I, you know, you become a part of this fraternity you didn't want to be a part of when this, something like this happens and you connect with all these people, but how do you keep that alive and and find value in that, but not let it become your identity, not let it define you? and that's where again we connect these these spiritual foundations i I think that's the only way you cannot do that Mm -hmm. is you there's a secure place of identity and who i am there which is true in every trauma and true in every conflictive reality that we deal with that challenge the enemy wants to take trauma to take our identity out completely Mm -hmm. and and so he's constantly, and he won't give up on that. He still wants to, he just comes from a different angle if we, if we bow up, you know, and where we're at. But, but that's it. That's why I think continuing, find this place of abiding and rest from a spiritual foundation that's secure, cannot be, he's shaken, everything can be shaken, nothing else can be shaken. And now I live from that, and now, as I deal with these, and I'm continuing to process that, again, some days I'm I might that might not look great, but but I can lay my head on a pillow at night and thank God that He still got control of this, and His mercies are new every day, and tomorrow's a new day. So mm-hmm. you your lifestyle in this again, that that I that I've just had to grab hold of and hold on to that anchor. And say so this is my store and I'm sticking to it. You know this is yeah. the only place I've found life and and that I can truly be authentic when I am mad, when I am extremely hurt and in pain uh, and be honest about it. And I like it. Mm-hmm. And I like to be around people who are experiencing that. Yes, growing in that and encouraging each other in that. I believe that's the design for the body.
1: And I like I like what you said about identity, that it doesn't change our identity, that our identity isn't a a, a grieving parent. That's part of our our journey. That's part of our life. But our identity in Christ has not changed. And one of the things that helped me, one of my favorite verses on identity was always Romans 6, 10 and 11, where it says the, the death he died, Jesus, he died to sin once for all the life he lives, he now lives to God. Likewise, in the same way, you, believer, count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And I used to think what he's saying there is I have the same relationship with the father as Jesus has. So is Jesus ever going to be cast off and forgotten? No. Am I ever going to be cast off and forgotten? No. And then where he tells us that we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And it's interesting that right after he tells us that, he tells us about suffering <laughs>
0: <Really>? <laughs> because
1: nothing nothing makes us doubt suffering more. But you t- you touched on your friend that said that his son committed suicide, saying that our sons are growing and maturing. You know, that that part before Liam died, I I could imagine, and I imagined it for people that went through loss and what the new heaven, the new earth, the, the kingdom of God was like, and I could imagine it and just get a lot of enthusiasm and joy. I don't know what it was when Liam died, but that all left me. I thought, this isn't true. This life is all I know. This suffering and evil and death is all I see. This stuff is not real to me at all and then I said if this isn't real then I'm not going to see my son again and yet I was like Peter Mm -hmm. there's nowhere else for me to go at this point and as as I processed the pain and processed the the grief and the guilt it started coming back to me and one of the things was the Holy Spirit reminding me you're dead to sin. You're alive to God in Christ Jesus. And as he began to build those things back up, I saw that it was faith in the gospel, fellowship with the saints, staying upon the Lord that was bringing me and healing me, and that
0: I was going through this, this process. You, you just have to see that the core for us as believers, the core of what we say we believe, and have said that we believed and we were staking our life on is challenged on a level like never before. And all, and it only happens by faith. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, to recognize that it's in these kind of places that we taste that this side of heaven, both realities fully in Adam, apart from God, how painful and despicable this life can be. I say, We. it's when the more I began to appreciate the dark for what was dark, the more I've been able to appreciate light and what it truly is. You know, it's in the contrast. I say the greatest revelation comes amidst the greatest contrast. And life and death is about as much of a contrast as you can deal with. So, and the finality of it, as you said, There's no do-overs. There's no Mm -hmm. learning from this in terms of as it was. I do believe, obviously, there are many ways we continue to move forward with it. But we are different. And and again, identity doesn't mean this is not a part of us. Right. If I lost my arm today and I continue to live and go forward and I'm going to live my life, it's quite obvious I don't have an arm And that's a part of me, but it's not who I am. So I can share that story. You see the correlation. Yes. Yeah. Elementary as that is. Yeah. There's still some correlation there.
1: And once that arm's gone, it's not coming back. And it's the same thing with, with losing our, our sons like that. There was, there was no, there was no possibility of, them walking through the door any minute my friend dan said the other day that at one point he just screamed at the top of the stairs for his son to come down No <laughs> you know wanting him to come downstairs mm-hmm. but i one thing that you talked about before is the realities of of the grief and pain and the joy grief and rejoicing right, right. what i what i found the way i can explain it now and i remember saying this in, in one of the suicide support groups that I, I now have more joy than I've ever had. There, there was a lady that was real fresh, gasped at the possibility of that. You no. know, like mm. she was in a she was in that beginning raw despair. And it is hard to explain, but there there's something where when God brings you through that, and you said there were some things that you you didn't you couldn't deny. That this, you know, you feel for some reason you're more aware of eternity or you're looking for something or you're more connected to the other side. There's this blend of, of joy that I've never had before, but it's always the sadness is always there. It, it's mixed because death is still an enemy. But one of the things that that happened with me and this happened twice, but I will only share one of the stories. There was another very similar experience. I was getting ready to leave for church on Sunday morning. And I heard in my mind, in my thoughts, my innermost being, someone you know, a friend of yours is about to lose a child, is going to lose a child. I kind of, I I thought about it, dismissed it. I went outside, realized I had forgotten my phone, came in and got my phone and there was a voice message Mm. from a friend of mine. And we had previously texted. she was a supervisor of mine and since had left the school and she wanted my advice on getting a guitar and getting guitar lessons. So I play Mm -hmm. the guitar. And I said, oh, she's probably calling about that. And I said, I'll call her later. And then something prompted me, listen to the voicemail now. Mm -hmm. And it was her sobbing on the other end that her son was killed by a drunk driver. Like Mm. sobbing, like heaving. And I thought, how? Lord, you know, why did you speak that to me? Mm. And I really believe God wanted me to know from my son's death that it did not take him by surprise. That he's in control of all of it. That he knows it before it's going to happen. He told me before it was going to happen. That he was in control. And that Liam, in spite of his his struggles and his his pain and all the things that he was going through, God the Father loved him first. God the Father did not have a relationship with my son through me. Yes, you know he didn't have. It wasn't
0: yes. it wasn't God's
1: grandson. Yes, Liam was God's son, and Liam belonged to Him first when he was in that early intervention nursery for eight months struggling for his life god loved him god loved you know ryan god loved liam more than we ever could and none of this took him by surprise
0: there's that's been such an incredible comfort for me too that you know because again as fathers we often want to fall into woulda coulda shoulda and mothers too of course but those sense of regret and thinking about all the things we wish we'd have done or done differently. And mm-hmm. and 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 I think again, this is why we can only receive these truths of our sonship in God to the degree that we can do. But the more we appreciate it personally, the more we can acknowledge and sense that for our children if that makes any sense. So same Mm -hmm. thing. I've, you know, the reminders too, that he just says, you know, I was his father. I've been his father. (laughs) Ryan had an incredible heart for God. He had one, he, Ryan had a lot of brokenness in his life, but he had this raw David kind of relationship with God. I mean, he would call you out on religion in a heartbeat. And I mean, he was an interesting guy, Yeah, a lot of spice to him. But he knew, even yesterday, my wife and I, uh, through our church and some different things, Ryan knew this God who was creator. I mean, he knew him on so many different levels. And we would communicate through lyrics of songs and different things. That was our love language. And so at a time like this, you know, you really do. I mean, I could say that all day long to try to make myself feel better. Yeah. But because of this growing, personal, intimate walk with the Father, He's giving life to those thoughts. And so you you mentioned that, I believe help my unbelief. He's already been helping it. Right. <laughs> He's yeah. already going before <laughs> us. And I thought about this, even with that, that word that came to you with, before that phone call, you know, revelation. Uh, I've always thought of revelation is so I know what to do. But what if it's just to intercede? Yeah. What if it's just to truly empathize and share in the sufferings of Christ in the life of another so intimately that not only do we experience more of Him But we find him living in and through us in that. Yeah. I mean, there's just fulfillment and value everywhere when you begin to look through these lens. Mm -hmm. So everything in their death and separation again is fully met. Every promise that I'm relying on, everything that God is is that I've come to believe He has given me in Christ. Is true of my son. Mm-hmm. And he's just stepped through in God's grace and rescue, he stepped through the veil before I got to. Right. And it's continuing on. I mean, right. if that's making myself feel better, praise the Lord.
1: Amen. But I believe yeah. it's backed
0: up in scripture. I believe it's backed yeah. up in the truth.
1: Yeah. And I i d- exactly. And that's the thing. Like I always say, if if God created us and you know was to leave us in the dark. About the worst thing that happens to us in life, and I really believe death of a loved one—that separation—is really the worst thing that we we encounter. That that grief, then that that would be cruel of God, you know. And when, when Jesus told the disciples, he basically says, "I'm not I'm not fooling around here," because when he says if. It, you know, my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you when I come back. And he tells me at one point, if this wasn't true, I wouldn't tell you. Yes. Right? yes. I mean, I'm not BSing you. Yes. And so those, I mean, Jesus promises couldn't be any more clear that there mm-hmm. is this, this eternal life that we have with him. Paul expounds on it, that we're going to get new bodies. We're going to be changed in the blink of an eye. And that Death is an enemy from our side, but it's been overcome. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I think even of the Christmas story of the, the angels announcing to the shepherds, good news, great news for all people. Yes, and, and that scripture in Timothy where it says that Jesus came to bring life and immortality to light through the gospel. Mm-hmm. So right there in Timothy, you're seeing that one of the missions of Jesus, one of his purposes was to show us life and immortality, that what's beyond this life. And I've learned, I personally believe that this life, I've heard people say, well, it's a dress rehearsal or it's the blink of an eye and it really doesn't matter. No, I think what we experience in this life impacts the next on a great level. They're not two separate things in my eyes. They're one, but we're free, we're finally home. Like I'm anticipating going on this trip with my wife, Carrie Ann, and I know we're going to be visiting places. It's going to be great, and we're going to go here and there and there. But towards the end of the vacation, and maybe you've experienced, you can't wait to get back home to your own bed, to yeah. your own place. Yeah. And I think we're all like that right now. Yeah. We're There's so many great things God has for us here, but we just want to get home eventually. <laughs> That's know? right,
0: and it's going to be – Home at its best. Yeah, it's either all true or no true. Yeah, and and it is a continuation. Our uh, uh, we have a ninety-one year old mentor that's been working with my wife and I for thirty years, and she told me the other day. And you, know, you know, I'm saying I'm I'm almost sixty-five. I still haven't written these books that are in my head. And she said, you know, you you may be you may write those books in the millennial. Wow! Yeah, continue on. We don't know. It's like it's there's. It's not an end. It's a gateway. Yeah, into again knowing and experiencing Him, in all His fullness, and we're we're all on this journey. We're on this road to discovery, and you that reminds me the the book that I have in my head about Ryan and about Ritz story uh-huh. is uh god gave me a title for that right side up mm-hmm. years ago because it feels like everything's being turned upside down but really he's turning it right side up yeah it's it's moving in the right direction mm-hmm. but it feels like because we're being it's like it is being birthed we're experiencing the rebirth in, a, in all levels you know it's a painful yeah. process yeah but that's where hope, you mentioned the scripture, that's where the hope is and that's where we have staked our lives and our deaths in those. And so this, I, I, I truly believe the, the depth of this journey to, of faith it comes. is centered around our kids. I say God doesn't give parents children to raise he gives children parents to raise i mean where where has he done his deepest work in us is through them what my wife says well he didn't get to you know fulfill his calling or what what if that was his calling i mean Mm -hmm. what if that's what he was placed on earth is to do what he did yeah and in the time i mean god didn't shortcut him he he fulfilled i mean look at jesus Look at all he could have done if he had lived past thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. but everything was accomplished in that time frame.
1: Wow! I, yeah, he
0: that's hitting you, what changes. you're saying. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like my Not son, he's BC,
0: the Bible says he is.
1: Yeah, John Glenn says when you've done loving the last person you were supposed to love, God's going to take you home because that's why we're here to love one another. Wow! But I like how you framed it. We, we see it so differently than God, and that was exactly what they were supposed to do. And when it's their time, it's their time. I used to struggle with that, especially with, with my son, with suicide. Like They say, well, God knows the exact time and that you're going to die. And, and after that, I heard two stories of men whose one was a veteran, one was a police officer whose guns jammed. So Mm -hmm. I kept thinking like, well, but there's all sorts of death. And I see some people pray and they're healed like your son, Rhett, right? There's other people that. Mm -hmm. And what God showed me is when he intervenes, it's not their time. When he doesn't intervene or heal or keep it from happening, it is their time to come home.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's one of those places, you know, they don't call it faith for nothing. Right. (laughs) You know, there's certain things you, we're not, there's no way in our reasoning we can, yeah. but that's, that's been the beauty of this journey I've been on is coming to not have to know right everything. Right. And isn't it a freeing just to say, oh honestly. my goodness, it's incredible. I mean, and yeah. think what, and what does that even do in your physical body when you go there? Yeah. You feel life. Yeah. Your breathing frees up. Yeah, there, that, that's we were created for that. Yeah, and that comes in this 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 choice to trust him. Uh, back when Ryan was really struggling some years back and going in a lot of directions that i I was not happy about and, and was was fearful of. Mm-hmm. But there was another one of these moments. It wasn't audible, but it was close to it that God said, If I wanted to take your son behind enemy lines for a season or a lifetime, would you trust me with that? I mean, you think about that one. That's a tough nut to crack right there. But it's the same concept here. You know, it's just this constant question. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? And in each question, there's opportunity. Jesus constantly spoke through questions. And through every one of those questions, it was an opportunity to participate in the word yeah and that's what these realities are there's so much value in it and there's so much value for our sons and our daughters Mm -hmm. in it because it goes on it's not over one of the things i could do
1: on autopilot was go to the gym and work out so i did that my whole adult life But it was a lot in those times that my brain was able to empty out and the Holy Spirit would just speak to me. It seemed like out of the blue, but it wasn't. And one time I heard, you have no idea what I have in store for you. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when I told John he reminded me there's a verse that says just that, you know, ear has not seen, you know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has in store for those. That's weird. Oh yeah. there's Like I'm saying, (laughs) because a lot of times when God speaks those things to our heart, like he talked about you and your son going behind the enemy lines. And we always think like condemning voices are from God somehow, but these life giving, beautiful things, all those are our imagination, you know? I was just imagining God saying something that beautiful and encouraging to me. Yeah. But no, that was the Holy Spirit yeah. reminding me of what he had already said. You have no idea what, what yeah. I have in store. And, you know, that's the beauty about it. And I I I go through times when, I mean, John Burke wrote, I don't know if John Burke wrote a book called Imagine Heaven. That was from a different angle of people who had experienced saying that they died and experienced a vision of heaven, but he compared it all to scripture and said it was amazing.
0: Mm. So,
1: but I like to imagine heaven. I like to imagine like what is really going on and what's happening. Mm. You know, Jesus said he goes to prepare a place for us. And now Hugh Ross is telling us that the universe just continues to expand and continues to expand. We have no idea what, what God's doing, what he's going to do, what the new heaven, the new earth, the where we're gonna be and what it's gonna be like, and I imagine now that you know the Lord, you know, let our sons know that hey, our dads are down there talking about us, and they're they're talking and maybe meeting yeah. 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 up. <laughs> you
0: know, why not? Absolutely, and I mean they, these things just call us into this place of confident expectation, confident mm-hmm. trust. Mm-hmm that helps us stay in the moment and live fully in the present. Um, I've been, God just keeps pounding me with that, this importance of coming away in these places of solitude and these times of healing. Jesus constantly stepped away and he was spending time with the father, not just to get information, but also there was empowerment coming out of those encounters to do whatever was before him but he stayed in the moment. He wasn't distracted by the past or fearful of or anticipating the future. He was, he was right there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's how, that's the lifestyle I believe God's been building into us so that when we come into situations like this, we don't try to be God in those, mm-hmm. in our minds and the way we handle and respond to it. We can allow him to be that and give ourselves permission to be who we are and where we are. Mm-hmm. It's such a big part of the healing process, I believe, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good place I was gonna say to
1: stop, but I think pause, I would love to have you back on because a couple times you've mentioned the body, soul spirit connection, you mentioned breathing. I'm sure that you have some tools maybe for those that are going through trauma, maybe we could have a little like toolbox episode mm-hmm. where you you know talk to people who might be might be stuck in in, in trauma and yeah. in breathing. And there are those that are believers that say, well, I just put my head down and keep going and keep busy, yeah. you know, and not dealing like you're almost like you said before about denying that reality of all this other stuff, that faith is not a denial of right. the flesh and sin and struggles and pain. Right. Faith sometimes is very clumsy. And, you know. Yeah, absolutely. They,
0: we and we right. need relationships, and but uh, well, I could we could definitely do that again. I, I'm I'm very laid back and relational and and practical, and I and I do think a lot of it is in awareness and sensitivity to created design, and then we just we just continue to walk. in. he really has made it uh, such that we could abide and rest mm-hmm. and find life. And find direction and, and and empowerment to walk in that. So um, well, this is there's a lot of the things. Boy, we've stirred up a lot of a lot of thoughts and and but I, I hope this is uh, uh definitely some encouragement there. Yeah,
1: I think there is now if people want to get in touch with Grace Point Ministries, do you have a
0: website for them to go to, an email? Yes, uh, gracepointministries.org, and that's uh, Grace Point with an E. Uh, and my um, uh, yep. email, uh, I think you can con- connect with me through that site. You okay, can go yeah. over and connect through email. Uh, that's probably the best way.
1: Oh, yeah, I'll put that. I'll put the, the Grace Point website. I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. And then, does um, Grace Point. Grace Point have a Facebook page as well. I'll put yes, that in yes the show notes do. as well.
0: And, and, and my Facebook, Rob Nelson, I put a lot of information on there too, and try to just be a connecting point for some resources. But it really is about living life together and uh, just uh, integrating again our faith into these realities. I mean, that's I say if it's not life applicable, I'm not sure it's biblical. Right. That's what he gave it to us for so. Yeah. Uh, not I want to read something to you can I share it with you real quick yeah go ahead okay six months after uh, Ryan's death I won't go into the whole story but uh, my wife uh, we knew the six-month anniversary was coming up the next day and she went to bed crying I didn't really realize how uh, much she was grieving that night and so I, I stayed up in the living room and fell asleep on the sofa and had been listening to a a YouTube on hearing the voice of God. And so during the night, I woke up in the middle of the night and had this little tune rolling through my head. And, and as I said, Ryan's, our love language was lyrics. And so just kind of had this lyrical thing going through my head. And so I'm laying there in the dark and I pick up the phone and just start typing in what I was hearing. And, uh, and it just kept coming. So I put that in my phone, went on to bed that night, got up the next morning and came into the living room and my wife was sitting there crying and she said, you know what today is, don't you? And I said, yes. And she said, well, I've just been praying that the Lord would just give me a, uh, that I would hear from Ryan. I would just hear a word. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when she said that, I said, well, I need to read something to you and so i sat down in the chair beside her and this is i'm gonna read you uh pretty much verbatim of what came to me in the middle of the night i can see me i can see me on the outside i can see me one day growing but i never thought that no i never thought that it would be me on the other side Mm. eternal journey with the father learning just how lo- how big his love can be. I never thought that. I just never thought that his great love could really be for me. Now I see it. Now I know it. Don't you be sad for me. I'm with the Father. Yes, the Father. Still growing, still learning just how great his love can be. I see you. I can see you. Yes, you're growing to one day see. The love of Father, the love that I now see. Please don't be sad for me. Don't be sad for me. In his great love, I continue to be all he ever purposed for me. Don't be sad for me. I know that love for real, you see. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He rescued me. Yes, he rescued me, and I will praise him. I will praise him for eternity. One day soon, just like me, you too will forever see. All his great love can truly be. Then forever in his great love we shall be. Together as one, together as one for eternity. That's it.
1: thank (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. I love it again publicly thank you rob for sharing and for coming on and we're we're definitely going to get back <laughs> together and talk maybe do a trauma workshop or something and talk some more about that so i appreciate you coming on and be assured of my prayers for you and your family and your ministry and and we'll be back in touch
0: been a great pleasure and i look forward to spending some more time together